Hello, and welcome back to the Meta Podcast, Meta Analysis of Everything. I'm Jimmy, and joining me today is Christian Sparks. <laughs> he is a indie dev, uh, mostly in, what is it, Unreal 4 engine. Right now, he uh, he's a friend of the show. Basically, I know him through the fans of the genre guys, Mikey Krieger, the Brian and... Rhodes Clark, shit like that. So, like, we're friends of friends. We're basically best friends already. (laughs) And we have no idea who either one of us, you know, we just follow each other on Twitter, and that's pretty cool. And so now he's on the show, and we're going to talk about kind of what it's like to be indie, you know, like an indie dev making a game, passion project, uh, I see a lot of your work on Woodbound and just kind of like I, I I love your atmospheric kind of really naturey looking gifts. As soon as you were posting stuff, I think it was back when you were trying to get like a Unreal uh, Engine kind of like scholarship kind of thing for uh, just like independent work. You were posting a lot about Woodbound and it was right about the time that Breath of the Wild also came out, and it was, like, one-to-one, you're like, these games, you're like, oh, my God, look at this, these grass physics and incredible, like, forestry and stuff like that. So I guess we're just going to talk about, like, what made what what got you started on Woodbound as, like, a project for yourself, and I don't know what's going on recently. I don't know. Sure. Um, So Woodbound started off, it was, like, uh, towards the end of 2016, um, my wife and I spend a ton of time playing a game called Don't Starve together, okay, um, which okay. is just like the the multiplayer adaptation of Don't Starve by uh, Clay. And uh, uh, for people who don't know, it's just like a little top down, like Tim Burton esque little uh, kind of survival game. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I thought was kind of missing from uh, from the the interaction was like. Uh, increased kind of AI smartness, I guess, intelligence. Um, For the most part, they just kind of do, like, really basic stuff. And so I thought it'd be cool, like, um, the common complaint with survival games is, like, oh, go here, press this button to chop down tree, repeat. Um, I thought it'd be cool to introduce additional mechanics and then kind of let the AI do the menial stuff and then just give them meaning with, like, their own interactions with each other. And then with you Mm -hmm. in turn. So um, that's kind of how it started out. Um, It's shifted around a lot while I've been working on it um, because it's been such a a freeform project. Um, Mm -hmm. I I don't work in video games professionally. I I work in IT by day. So um, all of my stuff in in Unreal and for Woodbound is all just uh, in my downtime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the shape of Woodbound today is a lot different than when it started out and the visuals are too. Um, it started out looking a lot grittier and, and kind of darker. And then I, I decided to try and go for like a cleaner aesthetic just because I didn't like how noisy everything was. And then mm-hmm. that was when, um, I started kind of getting some eyes on it, which was really awesome. So, yeah, um, the first thing people said when I did the, the art style update and posted like a, a gameplay, 
little gif. People were like, take out top down, no more top down. You need to be able to look around everywhere and look at everything. <laughs> and it's like, that's fair. And then from there it was like, well, it's not really in the spirit of don't starve anymore if it's not top down. So it's not really survival. And so, um, ever since it's just been kind of like playing around with a bunch of different, uh, mechanics and trying to see what sticks, um, mm-hmm. and working towards putting together. Yeah, that's pretty great. I, I feel like a lot, a lot of people who I follow on Twitter are like, you know, counselor by day, indie dev, podcaster shit by night. And sure, I, I feel like it's, it's so common. Like I, I'm not a full-time podcaster. This is my, this is my night job, so to speak. Like, sure. So it's, it's cool that it, it is such like a common thing for so many people to, I mean, including yourself to just be like, you got to pay the bills. Like I get, I get it. You got to pay the bills shit's going on in life and then you're like ah but i i want to make a game <laughs> so uh, it's 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 just crazy to me that like uh, it, it's it's a shared experience that so many people are kind of getting into their hobbies a lot more intensely and i feel like unreal has really like the unreal engine being free has really facilitated that for so many people now is it's like an option like when I was starting out, I don't know, I took some, like, in high school, for instance, I took a computer science class where we learned Java. And, like, the end of the class, we ended up, like, adding physics to circles, and it was, like, a fucking ball. Like, it was just balls. And I was like, cool, this is great. Thanks, Java. And I, the tool, like, that was a tool I didn't even have available to me in a personal respect. So... What is it, has there been like a journey from, were you, were you always interested in the Unreal Engine or did you have previous entries with like Unity or some other game making program, for instance? Um, <clears throat> Un- Unreal has been like the, the craziest like section of the journey for sure, mm-hmm. um, for like a multitude of reasons. Uh, I first got like... I mean, I think I've kind of always had on a subconscious level, like a desire to do something creative in this capacity. Like I I used to write like what I now understand to be design docs. I used to write those like in a little notepad when I was like 12. Like, oh, this would be my perfect game, blah, 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 Um, which I'm sure lots of people did anyway. But um, I I got into I got a PC when I turned like 20 or 21. Um, My friend was like, you need to play Minecraft. Um, and I did. I mean, they and then I, wrong. yeah, they weren't wrong exactly. <laughs> and so um, then I got uh, Fallout Three for PC and started playing around with the mods for that. And that oh, was okay, okay. kind of like a, a snowball where um, I got interested in mods. And then my friend uh, suggested I check out CryEngine because um, back then CryEngine was the one that was free, and yeah, uh, Unreal yeah, yeah. was the one that was on the subscription model. And Unity had like a free and subscription model. But I, I've never really. I've tried Unity a few times. More recently, I had a bit more success with it, but I still just, it hasn't stuck as much as uh, mm-hmm. Unreal. But anyway, I, I played around with CryEngine for like a year, um, mostly just doing like level design stuff and playing around with post-processing effects and stuff. Right. Um, and then I made the switch to Unreal and played with it for a few months, and it, it just immediately like clicked in my head. That's awesome, um, yeah. So it's... <laughs> That's funny. I... I mean, the immediate thing, though, with 
like why I reached out to you as well is all the gifts and stuff that you've posted of your just like, uh, I don't know, like you, you were messing with, uh, some lighting where you were like, you had like a colored light on different levels with a, just like basic UE4 model, like running around in it. And yeah, the projector. Yeah. Yeah. Like the low latency, like just even like the fun random gifts and videos you've posted are just like, to me, high level shit that I'm just like, I don't even <laughs> like, I it's, couldn't. Yeah. It's really funny because most of like, I, I feel like I cheat to get most of the stuff that I have done. Like, right. um, not that there's, I don't know. I, I want to phrase it carefully, but basically like, uh, <laughs> I have a huge amount of respect for people who have the capacity to do photorealistic stuff really, really well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, There's a guy on Twitter, if you don't follow him, uh, you should follow him. His name is Mackenzie Shirk. He works on a game called Dead Matter. Um, His stuff is just, like, outrageous. It's so good, and he just consistently pumps it out, and I have no idea how he does it. Um, And then you turn to my stuff, and it's pretty much just, like... I'm trying to compose things geometrically, like on, on like a, a high level. Yeah. Um, and then just making colors that look good together. Like my trees don't have any bark texture; they're just brown color. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the leaves are just like an alpha mask with a color applied to them. Like really, really basic stuff. Um, I just I I take what I enjoy working with visually and try and make it look. Yeah, I feel like you've you've managed to strike gold in your visual style like immediately what you've created is like a style like it's something like when you look at wind waker or a a game that's fully fleshed out and like a cell shaded something like that and you're like oh okay like that's the hardest thing for me that i've seen is so many like quote unquote completed games that i've seen on steam or you know free to play have conflicting styles where image like you can tell that it was i don't know like you obviously put a lot of care and like time into modeling and coloring like colorizing i don't know you're you're technically sound in what you've been achieving uh, as far as what i've seen thank you um i i think games like wind waker um really those those authentic styles really stand the test of time because there's not anything else that looks like it. And so, you know, um, again, not knocking on photorealism at all, but, um, you know, in 10 years, NVIDIA is going to, or not even 10 years, you know, in two years, NVIDIA is going to have like a, a $300 ray tracing card that's just going to make everything else that's out right now that looks amazing yeah. not look as good. Yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of the constant theme with photorealism is it's constantly evolving. And so then you end up looking back at games um, I remember thinking that like the first Red Dead Redemption that when it came out, I was like, this is the most amazing game I've ever seen. And then um, going back today, it holds up. But then you compare it to Red Dead 2 and yep. it doesn't. This hold game up is, this is a garbage <laughs> desert, actually. Right. Um, but then when you have like something that is and it's it's hard because it's so subjective. But when you have something that's like more abstract and more stylized, if it has that authentic look and it's like consistent across its composition and like you can look at it and identify it like at a glance, like that's when you've hit gold yeah. and um, not to toot my own horn at all um, because I'm terrified of coming off looking like a douchebag. But I think that I, at least for me have found like my style 
Um, whether it's good or not, I've found my style and I'm really, really happy because I'm able to just kind of expand on that. Um, yeah, that feels like a, a safe way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I feel that, that like that is the constant struggle of people who are interested in making games or e- even not games, something that has its own style and is eye-catching or, you know, like an earworm or something to that effect where you can effort seemingly effortlessly like obviously it's a it's a ton of effort to put into photorealism stylistic choices what have you it's again like yeah it's striking gold when you have something that someone's like oh like this is christian sparks woodbound it's not some other game you know it's not for the forest or some other survivally game it's 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 cool to see you working towards a very interesting stylistic game. Um, I don't really know if there's a point to that, but it's it's something I wanted to say. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. Sure. So you're working on a game part time. Mm-hmm. Is it is it like always a nighttime thing? Is it you come home from work, you're tired, you um, get on your computer? <laughs> it. Uh, it honestly, it, it waxes and wanes, mm-hmm. um, if that's the right phrase, uh, sure. like, like at the moon, right? Yeah. Um, so like going back to the beginning of last year, um, from January until the beginning of May, I would average between like four and five hours of sleep a night. Um, just like, you know, cracking hard, right, right, like right. really hard at the game, um, regardless of how tired I was, um, you know, destroying myself with energy drinks, being really, uh, irresponsible about it, but because I was like so focused and like talking about, um, I don't know, just like finding your style is cool because if you, if you find something that you enjoy working with and it happens to appeal to people, that's awesome. If you're trying to work on something that does appeal to people, but doesn't fit with you, it's so much harder to work on it. And so I think it was a lot easier then, um, to, to drive myself that hard, um, and work on it all the time. Uh, and the whole reason that I was doing that is I, that kind of imposed a deadline on myself to put together a demo, mm-hmm. um, to shop around to publishers so that I can eventually, um, not have to go work at my day job. Not that it's not a good job. It's just not what I want to be doing. Exactly. Um, and so that ended up kind of blowing up in my face because I, I overdid it so much Um, I didn't really keep track of my goals as well as I should have. And so the demo that I ended up shopping to two publishers, um, was going to end up going out to like six or seven. Um, and I, I cut it off really quickly because it it was not a great demo. Um, and so then from like May until September, October, I was completely burnt out and, uh, caught up with it yeah yeah exactly i i just it was really really hard to get myself to sit um for any amount of time and work on stuff and so for like literally weeks to sometimes like a month or a month and a half at a time i wouldn't open the project at all um it was cursed yes exactly um and it sucks like i i feel like i i don't know to what like degree i've talked about it before online um because i'm like really nervous too because um 
like people are like really stoked to see it and to see it come to fruition and to play with it. Um, and I'm like, like as grateful as I possibly can be for that because not everyone has that opportunity to have eyes on their project. Right. Um, and it sounds like ungrateful, but at the same time, like I, um, it's, it's so hard to, to work, um, you know, outside of, of game dev by day and then come home and then I have, uh, two kids, we have a mortgage, you know, I just, I have like this like hierarchy of things that are dependent on me being there first. And so then all of my, uh, available energy afterwards, if I can put that towards the game, that's awesome. And I get stuff done. And if I am completely depleted, then there's just, there's nothing I can do. Um, and then that compounds with people being excited about the game. Um, because then when I go, you know, weeks or months at a time without an update, um, I start getting like messages and emails, um, or like, you know, ads on Twitter asking about the game, which again is super cool. Um, yeah, but it's, it's so stressful sometimes. <laughs> Definitely. Um, it's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's half they're like super interested and then it's the other half is you like, man, I, I, I barely am finished with the like Cape simulator. <laughs> when I start. Right. Well, and it's it just like, it, it adds up. Like, I feel like most successful, I don't want to say this is like a blanket statement, but like a, a lot of, um, successful indie developers have typically started with other projects or have worked with studios in the past. Right. Um, and I've worked on other projects and done like contract work for people, but I haven't, I haven't shipped a game before. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when, when I have, you know, my first major thing that people are excited about and I want to look at maybe refactoring how much is reasonable for me to do within an allotted time period or if I want to cut things out, um, it just, it, it makes it super, super uh, stressful to make those decisions because I feel like I'm letting people down um, or letting myself down. Um, Definitely. I think it's, it's a really, it's a really common thing I think too with, with developers. I've talked to a bunch of different people that I've been really fortunate to met or to, to have met um, through Twitter, like Twitter, if you're, if you're making games and you're not on Twitter, then you're doing it wrong (laughs) because (laughs) Twitter is like the perfect place. It doesn't matter what engine you use, what art style you use. If you're on Twitter and you're making a game and you're not a dick, then you're going to find people to hang out with and talk with. And that is like a serious necessity. Seriously. Um, cause it's it's a great, people go nuts at this point. It is. It is. People go nuts and you have to have people to talk to and, um, I've been fortunate enough to meet people who, um, have gone through the same stuff and being able to have somebody, you know, it sounds dramatic, but like talk you off that ledge. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool. You get the solidarity. It's so, pretty good. Yes. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I know it's crazy. Cause I feel like a lot of independent developers uh, or you know stories that i've heard are i worked for a triple a game developer and now i set out on my own so it's like that to me is people who have already been in the industry and ship like shipped a game and so they know like point a to point b how to do it and so being in your shoes like not not in the industry, but it, it's crazy to me because you're you're in the industry technically. Like the industry to at this point is such a vague 
term. You're you're an independent developer. You're you're yeah. making a game for yourself at this point. Yeah, I don't I don't like when people um like gatekeep over stuff like that. Yeah. And I mean, I everybody is is guilty of some kind of gatekeeping at some point. Like I made some dumb argument at one point about how SketchUp wasn't valid for <laughs> modeling even Shit, though like, i've done it in this podcast don't worry that's <laughs> yeah that's like that's what i started off with and like no if you're if you're making a game and you're passionate about it and you know that's those Seriously. are the that's that's it that's, that's all you the have two to do. criteria yeah right i, I completely it's, agree and so yeah. it's it's cool to me that i i mean it's even to me i understand wanting to go full time and then you see there's like a daunting step of, you know, Kickstarters or Indiegogo or shit like that where people are like, support me on Patreon and I'll make a game or something. And then there's been all the backlash of failed Kickstarters or Kickstarters that went through and then the people didn't actually deliver on their promises. And so to me, there's been like a building tension of all these, you know, funding sites where people have been, the creators have been shitty the fan base has been shitty like it's been both sides interestingly enough like to me making like a huge shitstorm over something that we should have figured out by now sure <laughs> and I'm just yeah. like creators get money to make things and right it's even like I understand if you go on Kickstarter t- to me even now Kickstarter for games is insane because there's tiers. You have to have planned content beyond just releasing a game. Like, oh, I'm giving $10. I don't get a signed copy of <laughs> a piece of wood. Like, what the fuck? Right. Like, so I feel like, <laughs> again, there's like, uh, it builds on this like entitlement thing, I guess, where you're making the game. It's your own stylistic thing. And not that people, not that the people who are asking you, like, how's it coming along are entitled, but I think there is like a small bit for other people with more established series, like when the fuck Borderlands three, it doesn't have everything I want. (laughs) So I I think that you being detached from this like triple a, you know, publishers and stuff, it's, it's the crushing defeat of, sending off to publishers stuff that you're unhappy with, but also like you can kind of do whatever you want to an, to an extent. Like, do you, do you feel it's kind of freeing to it to some extent? It, it's definitely freeing. Um, I know like it's, <clears throat> it, it juxtaposes perfectly with like stuff that I've done for like contract work where I don't have, um, like creative control at all. I'm just like following um, a set of rules. Right. And um, I mean, anybody who's done contracting before, I'm sure has had like their nightmare contractor story where um, the the creative vision, you know, changes and the goalposts shift, you know, a bunch of times. And I, I had that happen with one particular contract that it was supposed to be two weeks worth of work and it ended up lasting seven months Oh boy. Um, and that was while I was working on Woodbound still. Like that was Holy like within that, that time frame. So that, that sucked a bunch of time up too. Um, but it, it, it's, I can see it from both sides for people who, um, who, who see things on Kickstarter. I think a lot of it has to do with 
I guess, perception. Um, a lot of people have put their stuff out on Kickstarter in an attempt to bring the community that they're trying to cultivate into their creative vision. And then I think because that's been such a commonplace thing, I think some people maybe think that that is the case universally with Kickstarter projects. Um, and that's, that's obviously not always the case. Some people have their creative vision in mind and they're trying to find people who agree with that vision to fund it without, um, without, you know, dipping their fingers in it. And that's why they're not going to a publisher necessarily, because that is something that commonly happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I can see why, why people, um, get upset with, uh, you know, Kickstarter delays, um, if, if they're looking forward to a game, I don't think it's cool when people say really nasty things. I don't subscribe to the mantra that, Oh, this is the internet toughen up. Like, no, this is the internet, but you're a person behind a screen. So don't be a piece of shit. <laughs> Where's your um, humanity, man? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like let's, let's try and save some semblance of it. I think that there is a huge amount of opportunity. And again, this comes from just having a pretty awesome experience with Twitter um, that there's, there's a lot of positivity out there. If you're genuine, um, and you have a plan, um, and you have something that is promising, like Kickstarter is a no brainer. Mm -hmm. Um, that being said, it's, it's very difficult and you have to prep and, you know, do your research, talk to people who have done it before. Right. Um, don't, don't be afraid to ask for help, but, um, I don't think like, a lot of people think that like Kickstarter is just like done or like that it's, it's been abused too much and isn't, doesn't have merit anymore. And I don't, I don't think that's true. Um, just right, like right. with anything, uh, you know, it, it has a lot of mileage left for sure. Um, and Definitely, I think it's yeah. a great avenue for Indies. For yeah. Sure. I feel, I feel like yes, crowdsourcing to me is still such a viable option for so many projects and what there's like a, D&D podcast Critical Role is extremely popular and they were like let's get $700,000 and they get like $8 million for <laughs> yeah for like of course they're all semi-famous voice actors in Overwatch and other stuff but to go in with such a low bar and then their fan base just be like $8 million like that must right. feel incredible for them I'm I love stories like that yeah so it's it's not dead like that's today like when this episode comes out like that pot that kickstarter is probably still going on so um i i love that you've found a community in twitter though because all the stories of twitter are like it's full of nazis but it's like it's so obvious (laughs) like what you said where as long as you're genuine like you'll find your community that is who you're actually wanting to connect with because if you're disingenuous yeah. on like Twitter, you'll be fucking outed like, Oh yeah. So immediately. Hard. Yeah. Immediately. It's so easy to tell. Like if you're just a dick, even if you're like faking, I don't know. That's the thing. I've, I've had people, they, they fake the nice persona because they're just like a salesperson. And so you're like, right. Okay, cool. I sell me your thing, but don't like lie to me. I don't know. Right. That's like, I think that's like, um, 
a lot of I, I live in a pretty conservative uh, area of, of Southwest Washington, mm-hmm. and um, the common theme, like, um, and this is going to get like dangerously political here, but like the <laughs> whole um, like the the Me Too movement thing, for example, is something that I hear criticized all the time around here um, because you know some people are going to think that everyone is lying about their story, and other people are going to think that nobody ever is lying about it, and. Uh, like blanket statements like that don't help. Um, and like Twitter is a great example. Like it, if you see one person saying that this person is disingenuous and it's one person saying it, then maybe that's not the case. If you can see, or as often happens on Twitter, multiple people can come and confirm this piece of information. Mm -hmm. It's probably the case. And then if you just use your intuition, like a fucking human being, (laughs) it's pretty easy to tell who sucks and who doesn't like it's, there's tons of nasty, there is tons of uh, nasty Nazi shit on Twitter, but it's really easy to weed through it. And, uh, have it removed from your, your timeline. Like I, I find myself enjoying my, my scrolling experience every day on Twitter way more than Facebook. <laughs> oh, definitely. I, I avoid Facebook like the plague. Yeah. Like the plague exactly. wasteland it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that's, what's crazy to me because I feel like five years ago or whenever the fuck I started using Twitter, it, it didn't have this cool game dev community as out in the open and as like easily accessible. Like I can, I feel like my podcast, like this podcast account, the metadata account is just like 2000 accounts. I want to follow game dev people. And then (laughs) Twitter's like, I'm sorry, you can't follow any more people. You're probably a bot. And I'm like, no, I just want to follow game devs. Right. Like everyone's (laughs) posting shit on screenshot Saturday stuff. There's so many like, Game dev, uh, what was that? Uh, game jams, shit like that, yes. where people are just constantly posting weekly jams, pixel jams, uh, that uh, that weird uh, small Pico. Pico is a oh the Pico yeah Pico jam shit like that, and I'm just like every day I can scroll for like 200 tweets and just see like a <laughs> shit ton of good game dev stuff. I'm like, yes, ah, people are creating stuff on like a huge scale. Every well, and I feel day. like the like that that whole subsection of Twitter too, like the the people who contribute to it, really help push to the top, like the really wholesome stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like going through, you just see stuff that's like heartwarming, not just like the content, but then the people behind it. Um, because Twitter makes it so easy to like. I feel like this whole podcast is just a plug for Twitter. Like Jack is going to be fucking <laughs> ah, stoked shit. when he sees this come up. Yeah. Um, but no, like, you know, just by virtue of how it works, like, you know, people push all this awesome, uh, you know, responses from developers or questions back and forth. Like it's, there's just these, it's like walking in a, a lunchroom full of game developers and being able to oh, just yeah. stop in and lean in on conversations everywhere. It's, it's fucking great. It's, it's great be, because of the, a wide array of people that are also using it. You have like well-known indie devs. I don't know, like Spelunky, the, the guy who made Spelunky's on there tweeting shit. Uh, uh. Fucking, I, I doubt. <clears throat> I don't think Todd Howard does it, but like, you know, like it's it's from like fucking <laughs> AAA president to yeah. whoever the fuck, and it's yeah, it's that like wide variety. Jane Ung from from uh, from Campo Santo is oh, really fuck, active yeah. on there. Oh my god. Um, Raphael von Lyrope, and I probably said his last name wrong. Um, the guy who leads um, 
the the guys who made uh, the Long Dark um, oh, Hinterland yeah, 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 Studio. Yeah. Um, they're super active. I remember my first thing on Twitter when I was like just starting to post game development stuff. Um, I was like doing Don't Starve All the Time, and so I added Clay, and they responded within like two minutes flat. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. I'm never not using this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty insane when you can like reach out to a favorite creator of yours uh, in whatever aspect. And when they reply, even like even a favorite is now like <gasps> they, they yes. noticed me senpai. Right. Right. And well, and like great. even people who like, aren't like, like I, I talk about like, you know, the hinterland guys are like, um, the people from, from Campo Santo or Claire or whoever, like I, I, I look at it like a, I'm looking up at them exactly, and yeah. they're like reaching down. But then like, there's also people that are like contemporaries that are like closer to my level that still are just putting out like amazing stuff and just being able to have them like, like easily accessible to talk to. Like I, I have like a chat group with like three people Fuck yeah. who I like immensely look up to that I can just like, we, we share ideas and, and screenshots and stuff That's all rad. the time. Like it's, it's just so cool yeah. and it doesn't feel like exclusive or like, you know, uh, clicky or anything like that. It's, it's just, we all agree on stuff. And so it's easy to talk. Like it's pretty great. It's so cool. Yeah, where's where's all that ad money I should be getting Twitter? <laughs> right, I know this is just gushing on Twitter but all I day mean, for it, real. It's it's great that you can use this social media platform for your own means because they never. I I feel like Twitter's whole thing is just like ah fuck it whatever, whatever tweet, <laughs> and, sure, <laughs> and you're just like actually I want to. I don't, put my own stuff out there and people right. do it. it. It's, it's a great community of communities where yes, absolutely. You have to, you have to actively go out and do it because it is a shit hole. Like every, if you like step two <laughs> steps outside of your own community, but like if you're following the people, then if you're blocking the people that suck, then you're good. That's all. That's all I've noticed. It's, it's super easy to curate a, a timeline that you're interested in, for yeah. sure. So thanks, at Jack. Fucking yeah, thank you. Give me some money. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> so, uh, is there are there any games that have? I mean, you mentioned like Fallout and survival games like that. Are there? Is there a certain genre of game or specific game that super like inspired you at a young age where you were writing, you know, you were writing your own docs about your own made up sure. games? Like, is there something like fucking Pac-Man or something where you can like pinpoint? Oh, yeah, this is an early gaming experience that kind of pushed you towards game dev in general. That's a great question. Um I think the the most memorable one that I have, I don't think it was the earliest necessarily, but it's the one that sticks with me the most was um, after playing uh, the first Bioshock when it came out, mm. and the idea of like um, it was it was such like a the simple concept, but like rolling up on people, you know, killing them as you do, and then being able to loot them individually instead of having like the items drop or whatever, like yeah. that that compacted inventory. Um, and that had been done before, but like the way that they handled it, um, that was just immediately clicked. And I was like, what if I put this in like a battlefield style game or in like a, you know, a big open, like this, I, I didn't know, 
I was super sheltered when I was younger. Like I wasn't allowed on the internet until I moved out basically. And so like, <laughs> I didn't know that like, you know, larger scale PC shooters were a thing. So I was like, what if you could have a PC sh- or like a, a big shooter with tons of people and then you could loot their bodies. And then that's like a, that's a thing now, like everywhere. But right, it was right. just like, um, the idea of being able to put stuff like that together and lay out ideas for, for map designs and safe areas and stuff like that. Um, that was definitely the one that sticks with me the most. Um, That's great. I think the one game that probably I look to for inspiration the most is, um, and this is a super cliche answer, but uh, the Shadow of the Colossus. Oh, ah, okay. okay. Um, just because of like uh, your your character feels like so like grounded and physically consistent. Oh, definitely. And so yeah. does everything else in the world. Like everything, like you, you feel so minuscule compared to everything that you're going up against, and every action feels like it has like a serious reaction and consequence. You know what I mean? And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's hard to make fun. That's what I've been doing, like pretty much this whole time with Woodbound is trying to make like persistent physicality not. Uh, super overly simulated or not just math boring. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like I, I literally had like a section where I was like, "Oh man, it'd be really cool if you had to like individually put in the items in your cart without like a two D UI. Like you grab the thing and then you put it in, and then I, I put that together and I played with it. And I was like, this fucking sucks. It took me like ten minutes <laughs> to sort my inventory. In <laughs> yeah, it's been like two days in game. This is bullshit. I don't want to do this. Nice. So like. Um, stuff like that, like, really helps me. Like, I, I thought that 2D UIs, like, the drag-and-drop UIs were so overdone, but, like, having, like, played around with a 3D one, like, I get why they're necessary mm-hmm. and they're actually not overdone at all and they're they're super good. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of like you're you're trying to learn and adapt from stuff and at the same time you're like but what if i did something new oh i see why all these games are doing right that way (laughs) yes exactly and like there's it's it's good i think to to push for stuff that's new even if it doesn't work um like there's there's still ways that i can make that 3d representation work like i can do like a like what I'm trying to do uh, most recently is like the the 2D representation of moving items with the you know the drag and drop, but then still having them physically show and organize in your mm, your cart. Cool, um, cool, cool. Yeah. And so like you know just having things take up physical space so that they have at least a tiny bit of meaning besides just being you right. know a little tile on a like grid. Minecraft 64 stacks of 64 cobblestone and you're like yes. I'm carrying a full. 3,000 metric tons of fucking wood. <laughs> yeah, and it you're just guys like, well, I'm going to walk yeah. in fucking Minecraft. And, like, if, if that's how it works for your game, then, like, that's that's totally fine. Yeah. If that's how you want to set it up, that's just, like, I I wanted everything to have, like, a real physical weight, just like in Shadow of the Colossus. And so, um, you know, some things made sense to stack, like, like, I had, like, a grid system for the 3D thing. And so, like, you know, having a, a grid that fits a big piece of wood doesn't make sense to have the same grid size for like, you know, a clump of berries or something like that. But then, mm-hmm. you know, do you get into like breaking down sizes more and more and then you're organizing little things or do you just like kind of compromise and say, okay, shit like berries can probably stack up to a certain degree in this grid just yeah. like you would in 2d. So, um, that's cool. I, I, I think compromises make sense for stuff like that. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's kind of like like how you were describing uh, 
everything having this like physical weight. I mean, they they fucking nailed weight with Shadow of the Colossus. Like everything, yes, moves so great. But then there's like the lizards for health, and you're just like, I don't, I don't fucking understand yeah. what these. Like, yeah, I get that it. just seemed so phoned in. Like, yeah. if it if there was some kind of way or like different object that they did that made more sense in context to the lore, and they still just introduced it not by telling you but by showing you, like shit like that is really cool. But when it's literally just like, oh, quick, we need a way to upgrade you, uh, yeah. lizards, yeah, and then they shipped it, you know, like yeah, that's that's not as as interesting, I guess. And, and see, that's 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 one of the interesting things is because of how like rushed that that one mechanic seems i wonder if it literally was rushed like they were like oh fuck i guess we have to figure out how to give health to the player more and the the game ships in two months and also like we have to ship it because we won't have jobs if we don't do it and they're like "Ah, lizards (laughs) so yeah yeah, it's it's it comes down to like deadlines i guess it's kind of crazy and I think that's where that, that double-edged sort of being independent comes in because, like, on one hand, you know, like, feature creep is a serious concern for anybody because mm-hmm. you could... It's really easy to get into this loop of, like, well, what if I did this and then you do it and then what if I do... You know, and that just goes on for months and months. Yep. Um, but at the same time, if you have something that you're... Or, like, a set of things that you're really concrete about that make sense, that serve everything, you know, cohesively and cooperatively... Um, the worst thing that you can have happen to you is somebody say, nope, you don't have time. Like, Shadow of the Colossus was supposed to have, like, a a ton more colossi included, and they couldn't, and that sucks. Um, And so while while I get, like, really, really anxious about taking as much time as I am with Woodbound, I'm really glad that I can because if, you know, my, my 3D inventory didn't work well and I was out of time and had to ship it, that would suck because then I have to go and... Because it's my baby, so I have to go show it to people and be like, "Oh, this! I'm so proud of this, but not but this not little this. bit. Like, this bit sucks. Yeah, <laughs> not this I don't want to have anything it's like in the that. game, though. <laughs> yeah, like I don't want to have any parts of of the game where I'm like, yeah, I wasn't really stoked on that because I'm literally like, I'm the one doing it, so I say when it's done. So if I say it's done and it's not, then that just makes me look like a dumbass. So, um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's how it goes. So um, any anyone impatient, I'm just trying to do it perfectly. So, frig off. <laughs> Perfection is achievable <laughs> in in Unreal Engine. Okay, it's only going to take me like 15 years. It's just unreal. It's unreal yes. how real it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I I feel like that's that's the story I've heard from an outward perspective I'm, I'm glad that I'm hearing it from you firsthand because I've watched I don't know I watched that one very popular documentary about uh, Fez where mm-hmm. like Phil Fish just fucking like breaks down and he goes to some some event like PAX or something and the, the demo literally is broken and like he has yeah. a mental breakdown and the like soundtrack guy is just like oh fuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so it's 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 <laughs> I, I was it I think it was his was kickstarted so it actually had like some deadline to it but yeah yeah it's it's a common thread that I've seen is just like people freaking out over deadlines I actually have uh I I went to do a kickstarter really early on like 
right after I did my my first visual refactoring posts, mm-hmm. uh, I, I followed some really bad advice from a friend who was like, oh, you could just do it on the art. Totally could. And, and I was like, oh, my God, I could. And I could quit my job right now. And so I did. And I put together this really, really terrible Kickstarter pitch and I canceled it within the first 10 hours because <laughs> I got like a flood of emails that were like, dude, your game looks good, but no, not yet. <laughs> so um, I canceled it. So I was like really freaking out. Um, and I had just watched the indie game movie and I, I watched it again like a That's couple times. Indie game movie, yeah. Um, and so then I, uh, I ended up going to, this was like a couple weeks before Pat or no, it was a couple months before PAX because PAX West is in September. So I, that, that year I went to PAX and I actually met to- Tommy Refinis from team. Me. Okay. Um, and I feel really bad because like I wanted to meet him because I knew he was going to be there. And I had seen him in the indie game movie, and I, like, fangirled out. I was, like, so stoked to meet him. And I walked up, and I was like, oh, my God, I loved your perspective in indie game, the movie. It really helped me. And that whole movie, he's just like, I fucking hate my life, and I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and so I just, like, he's, like, you know, he's he's not that he not that he was doing anything wrong. He's just trying to make his game, you know, but like he's doing so much better now. Like he's like, you see him in the movie and then you see him lately and he's like super fit. Um, and you know, taking really good care of himself, um, and and doing really well with game development. Exactly. And so I just like walked up and I was like, Hey, remember when you were fucking miserable? I loved that. (laughs) Thank you for, for sharing, you know, but like it, like regardless of like how bad that was it really did like help me to see that perspective from like bigger name people like that yeah um i felt so, like you felt but you don't feel like yes. that anymore but maybe yeah and like i i don't even remember like what he said back like i i, I walked up to him and my friend took a picture of me oh. with him and he's like you know we're, we're both smiling yeah. but like right before like i said it and i don't even remember what he responded with but i was just like why the fuck did i say that like why can't i have just said that i love your game or something you know something standard, cooler act so. cool christian ah, right ah. exactly ah oh that's yeah. funny yeah, yeah he yeah heroes. i forgot how many perspectives <laughs> of just like fuck i don't like this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me and then yeah. the, that's like the denouement of the video or like <laughs> or you're like ah shit <laughs> yeah and then they release the game and you're like okay i guess it's smoothed out but like they yes, seemed miserable exactly. for a little bit there i don't really know yeah yeah, Edward McMillan is like, I feel, I feel like I'm fucking trapped in my house. I can't do anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's how I feel. And I was just like wallowing in that feeling, and it, it wasn't it's the not, best, not a best approach. It's not a thing no, to share. not yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you did have like, again, it was like a solidarity, but you're like, nah, I probably should have just like tweeted at him that. Yeah, it was just, it was a super cathartic thing that should have just been for me, and I, yeah. I tried to connect with him that way, and that wasn't the right way to do it. Yeah. And you know, lesson learned. Um, he probably doesn't, isn't going to ever remember that because it was, you know, a five minute interaction at PAX. But, um, it's regardless how of how, how I fucked up, I'm always going to remember that story. <laughs> <laughs> and now it is emblazoned on this podcast for all time. Yep. Tommy Reffin is, if you see this podcast, I'm sorry if I made you feel uncomfortable. If you um, see it, I'm very surprised because it's an yeah. audio. Or if you, if you listen to it, sorry, I see the video here on our, uh, Oh yeah. I'm we'll, like we'll literally talking bit. to you. I'm like, I see you. I'm yeah, from exactly. Avatar, man. <laughs> yeah. My webcam's not on. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, if you yeah. Anyway. No, that's it's it's funny to to have that solidarity but then like totally just be like, "Ah, fuck. That's oh no." Yeah. Real Don't life. Don't meet your heroes not because your heroes are dicks, but because You're you are not ass. ready to meet them <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That feel that feels about right. That feels about right. Yeah.
<sighs> well, that's that's fun. Um, I, I guess because that movie's all about like game dev teams. Like it was always like a, a couple guys. How how is it different to you just doing it all solo? Like the thing that I've seen is a lot of people are solo indie game dev. Like it's just me. That's it. I mean, I, I, I see why people take pride in something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes me super uncomfortable just because it seems like they're kind of trying to signal right, or, like, or trying right, to right. like, you know, quantify their, their accomplishments. Yeah. Like if, if your stuff is good and people like it, then you don't need to slap another hat on that hat. You know what I mean? Um, and I've, I've worked with other people on Woodbound before. Um, there you go. Collaborative like, efforts. You, yeah, um, my issue, um, and this isn't me trying to be like, I do it solo because I'm, you know, blah, 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 whatever. My issue is that I have a completely fucked schedule and the people that I have been able to work with are in different time zones. So, you know, working together with someone is just going to put a ton of stress on me to feel like I'm letting them down on top of me, letting me down and people down out there, you know. So um, if I can just like minimize my own anxiety damage as much as possible that to just good. me. Yeah. Um, then that's what I'm, I'm basically, that's my reason. <laughs> not going to try and pass it off on others. I, I get you. I get you. Right. Definitely. Okay. So yeah, that does make a lot of sense. I, I feel like if you're trying, it's a healthier thing to ask for help. Like at every corner, if you have that ability and, calling yourself like solo indie game dev and I did everything, the music and it, it is kind of like a weird, you're trying to like make yourself into some like hero or I, I don't know. I, I get it. I, yeah. I, I think that people who, Not who you, do accomplish, you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like yeah. I, I think that, that people who do accomplish their goals solo, especially with something as, as wide ranging as game development, I think that they deserve to be recognized for that to, you know, to whatever degree. Um, but like I, I've, <laughs> I've met a couple people, um, who are just like kind of obnoxious about it. Like mm. that's like their whole persona, you know what I mean? And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I try to, I guess, gently suggest that like, don't, don't put yourself at the forefront of, of what you're accomplishing, put your work at the forefront and then people are going to flock to you because you made it. If you're making it about yourself more than your work, then you're like, people aren't going to connect with it as much. Yeah. Um, or, or people are going to see through it and, and see, you know, what your real motives are. Um, like any other developer, um, I have, you know, big dreams of being able to, you know, share my work with people that I, look up to at some point um, mm-hmm. and, you know, talk about development if they're interested in it or whatever. But um, especially like when you're posting it online, like people are going to take whatever perception they have of you from that and they're going to run away with it. And so it's better to, you know, um, I guess like speak softly and carry a big stick, so to speak. <laughs> a um, big with your game art. dev stick. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So. Um, I don't want to take away anything from anybody who is doing it solo because it's fucking hard as hell. But, um, yeah, I, I would caution people from one pursuing solo stuff because it's hard if you, if you can help it, if you have a support group to talk it, to. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, I, get you. I think that's, 
that's a huge mistake that I routine routinely make is being too nervous to talk to anybody about anything because I feel like the second that I admit that I don't have everything down that I'm failing and that's that's not the case um the the biggest thing that I have figured out in making games isn't how to make games or how to do things it's how human you and everyone around you is and how much everyone is fucking up all the time (laughs) um like somebody said it on twitter it was like life life or development and life in general is just walking around and tripping and falling down and getting up and talking about it like that's 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 it yeah brilliant (laughs) that's the secret to life yeah i it's hilarious because i feel like that's what i've i'm trying to like achieve by talking to you and other people in dub is is like seeing the cohesion of all these stories of people who are working at a studio people who are contracting stuff like that i I mean, I'm only th- a third interview in. Again, thank you. Third, third interview. Look, top three for you. Um, uh, <laughs> but like, even just interviewing three people, I'm like seeing the thread of just like d- people are people. Like, I don't. And I don't think anyone knows what they're doing ever. Right, and that's you're, just you're going me talking to, talk to, to everyone. To- you're going in to talk about video games and you come out feeling like a psychologist, essentially. <laughs> like, like everyone is just like, I don't want to talk about games. I want to talk about my feelings because I'm going fucking crazy. Like, yeah, that's nine times out of ten when I really get into the, the meat of a conversation with another developer. It's like, man, this is like life is crazy. It's not about games anymore. It's just about life. To me, <laughs> growing up, like that's so much more interesting And like when I started this podcast with a couple of my friends, like we would just talk about games and I realized that the more fun episodes were when we like had mind fucks about something related to the game. And we're like, oh, my God, (laughs) like we had like a brain blast. And I was like, (laughs) I want to have this with just like everyone. And I feel like the common experience is if you make games, you've played video games. So yeah. you have that kind of mindset. You you know, like, how to play a game. It, it doesn't really matter. But when you're making a game, it's a completely different experience. So that's all I wanted. Like, this has been, like, end interview. We're good. <laughs> like, this was fantastic. Um, uh, I, I mean, it has pretty much been an hour, so I, I think we will wrap it up. Um, sure. Because, oof. I, like this is just <laughs> perfect. What a cap! It's so good. Yeah. I am so thankful to have talked with you today. Uh, I'm excited to talk with more people and share pretty much the same exact conversation, <laughs> but from sure, a different definitely. perspective. And that's the whole yes. thing, right? Um, thank you for being receptive to to talking to me face to face for the first time and having my me, you know bear my soul essentially yeah. on on the experience on i appreciate tape. it for sure yes yeah yes I, it's very cathartic for sure i i'm super happy to talk with you and down the line i'd be happy to talk again see yes absolutely your development updates of woodbound or just talk about our feelings again because that sure. was that's what would happen again uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'll try to have some more uh Maybe maybe a trailer by the next time we talk Dude, so that I tight. can actually have some meat. Um, there we to, go. To Either discuss, way, I'll, so. I'll probably be sharing your like Twitter on the podcast page or whatever to 
the, the three people who listen. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. But I, and to, not to bring it back to Twitter, but like I just reached out to you on Twitter. I was like, hey, you want to you're developing a game. You want to chat? And you were like, yeah. And I was like, sweet. I love yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. No, like I that's I, I seriously love Twitter. Like, again, um, oh, it's going to be so dumb, but um, I have to I always have to brag about this any chance I get. And even though it doesn't fit here, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, no, it's the, fading out. The podcast. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Um, no, uh, the the art director from Firewatch, Ali Moss, um, uh, I ended up like very, very briefly getting to work with him on a little side thing shit, a while ago. That's cool. Um, and it, it didn't end up coming to fruition. They ended up kind of scrapping it. But, like, just that brief time, uh, that was, like, really cool getting to meet and talk with him. Um, he bought me a copy of The Witness because I had never played it. And he was like, I can't believe you've never played this. And so um, that all happened because uh, the guy that he was working with uh, was just scrolling through Twitter and saw my shit and uh, reached out to me. Like That's so it's, cool. It's it's so cool. That's like, so cool. If, if you see shit that you like on Twitter and you want to reach out, you know, don't, don't be crazy and run up to them at PAX and start crying. Just, you know, hit them up on Twitter and you're good to go. <laughs> go to PAX it's, and like, I need a hug. Makes it happen. No, just right, internet exactly. hug them on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Christian. Oh, this, this was fun. I, I had a lot, yes, of, a lot of fun talking to you. Thanks for listening to, to me. Uh, yes thanks listeners yes. for listening to us this has been the meted podcast you have been meted bye bye <laughs>